What's up, y'all? Welcome to Out in the Universe. I'm your host, Dark Vet. Thank you for tuning in to this radio frequency for Episode 7. Today we're going to talk about the universal laws, as well as touch on the seven hermetic principles and raise a number of questions about how they both relate to us as human beings and to our lives. As a reminder, the views contained herein are my own. If you haven't already, please take a minute to check us out at our host site, as well as find where you can stream us at anchor.fm slash outintheuniverse, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash outintheuniversepodcast. If you'd like to reach us to send us feedback, comments, suggestions, or topics you'd like to hear us talk about, you can reach us at all one word, outintheuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Please leave your agendas, your preconceived notions, and your biases at the door and enter with an open mind. We'll always do our best to give you no agendas and no BS. Now, without further ado, let's head out into the universe. So, when most of us think about laws, we think local laws, state laws, national laws, or even international laws, right? problem with all of these laws is that they were all written by humans. They are imperfect laws written by imperfect people. They're not about balance, but really about policing people from themselves. Given all of that, then what are universal laws? Universal laws, friends, are a bit of a new agey idea that there are laws throughout the entirety of the universe that all living beings must abide by including the deep state cabal and their dark forces currently occupying and in control of our planet. That control has to end, by the way, but more on that in another episode. How do these universal laws relate to our lives as humans? Friends, I found through my experiences and meditations that if we look beneath everything of our global society, if we look beneath the glass veneer of the shininess of our society and of materialism, we see spirituality at work. When we look at how nature operates, we again see spirituality at work, since nature does not know human laws and does not conform to human laws. Nature knows its own laws and its own bounds, but somehow along the way, we've largely forgotten how these natural laws apply to our lives, and we've also seemingly forgotten how any type of natural or universal laws would come into play in the world around us. However, there are some traditions around the globe that still hold ancient knowledge like this, a lot of them in the Far East, but I'd bet that the Vatican in Rome is one of those organizations, honestly, that holds a ton of ancient knowledge. However, it is highly doubtful that they would release anything that would contradict their teachings. But alas, I digress. So with the universal laws, I've heard as few as seven exist and as many as 20 on the upper end. The reality is that I'm not sure we truthfully know how many there are. Most commonly, though, I see 12 universal laws represented, so that's where we're going to start today. We'll get into each law individually and talk briefly about what it is and expand from there. I'm not going to list them all out for you, but instead we'll talk about them one at a time to make it a bit easier to follow. So what are these 12 laws, then? The first one is the law of divine oneness, or the idea that everything is connected to everything else. It's the idea that our thoughts, our words, and our actions will have a subsequent effect on the people around us, as well as on that of nature and the entire universe itself. 
That's an interesting concept, isn't it? The second one is the law of vibration. And this is the idea that everything in the universe vibrates and moves in regular patterns. It talks about how everything has a vibrational frequency unique to it. If you actually look a bit deeper into this one, you'll find out how our own bodily frequencies and vibrations can be greatly affected by electronics and by the world around us at large. The third one is the law of action. This is the idea that the actions from our thoughts, our dreams, our emotions, and our words must be engaged for us to be able to manifest anything here on Earth. The fourth law is the law of correspondence. This is the idea that all levels of existence are in communication with one another, with the idea of as above so below. It's also the idea that our outer life is a reflection of our inner life. It tells us that there is a direct link with what we think and feel on the inside versus how we act and experience life on the outside. That's something I think a lot of religious and spiritual traditions teach without even realizing it. The fifth law is the law of cause and effect. This may be better known to us as the law of karma, which I spoke about in an earlier episode briefly. It's the idea that we reap what we sow, where every thought and action of ours has a reaction and a subsequent consequence. It's the idea that nothing happens by accident, but that every thought, emotion, word, and action of ours, we set unseen forces into motion which then affect everything and everyone around us, and will ultimately come back to us in some form. This of course could mean that we directly affect what goes on in the world around us. I'd encourage everyone to look into this law, if nothing else, because this one alone has the capacity to teach us as a global people how to move forward in the light by changing our hearts, our thoughts, and our actions into good, light-bringing ones, instead of negative, evil, or bad ones. The sixth law is the law of compensation. This is the idea that the law of cause and effect is applied to blessings and abundance that the universe provides for us. The visible effects of our actions and deeds are returned to us through our karma or the residual effect of our actions and deeds balancing themselves out. Now the seventh law is the law of attraction. This is actually talked about in the book and the movie The Secret. It's the idea that we have the ability to create things, events, and people coming into our lives. Our thoughts, emotions, words, and actions produce energies which in turn will attract like energies. So, the more negative we think, feel, or act, the more negativity we'll bring back on ourselves. Likewise, the more positivity we think, feel, or act out, the more positivity we will bring back on ourselves. Think of this like a magnet and how magnets attract things. Similar concept. The eighth law is the law of perpetual transmutation of energy. This is an interesting one, friends. This tells us, along the lines of what we talked about in the last episode with energy, that we each have the ability and power to change the conditions and circumstances surrounding our lives. Sound a bit like free will? Well, it is just explained as a universal law that cannot be infringed upon. Higher vibrational states consume and transform lower states. Therefore, all of us individually can change the energy coming into our lives by understanding these universal laws and subsequently applying them to our lives so we can affect the change we desire. 
This says to me that we have the capacity to be creator beings, as I believe Jesus and other prophets, as well as other religious and spiritual figures throughout history, really came to teach us. It's interesting that this now comes full circle, isn't it? The ninth law is the law of relativity. Now, this is not to be confused with Einstein's law of relativity or special relativity. This law tells us that everything is essentially relative to everything else. That things in our lives just are until we really compare them to something. Now, this holds to teach us that also when we compare, we must keep perspective. In other words, as the old saying goes, no matter how bad we think things are for us, there's almost always someone who has it worse, unfortunately. Again, it's all relative. This concept also teaches us, spiritually speaking, that we can take away our barriers to things by accepting them as they are or as is. As Eckhart Tolle put it in his book, A New Earth, quote, in essence, you are neither inferior nor superior to anyone, end quote. I think we all need to remember that one right now with everything going on in the world. We are neither inferior nor superior to anyone else. That's a powerful statement right there, friends, as we've essentially been taught most of our lives that we are not on a level playing field. The tenth law is the law of polarity. It's the idea that everything has an opposite, a duality, so to speak. Again, think of it like a magnet that has two different poles. It also states that essentially everything both is and is not at the same time. This, again, gets us into the idea of quantum superposition and quantum physics. It's interesting. Again, this is really coming full circle. The eleventh law, friends, is the law of rhythm. It's the idea that everything has a vibration and moves at a certain rate in a certain pattern to a certain rhythm. It tells us that these universal rhythms bring about seasons, cycles, etc., and show us the regularity and awesome wonder that our universe created by God or source really is. So to put it another way, things aren't always going to be good or positive because to balance it out, we need to have the bad or the negative. Knowing that negativity or lows will come as a part of any given cycle can help us learn not to let the negativity affect us, which in turn will help us balance ourselves out. And lastly, the 12th law is the law of gender. It's the idea that all things exist as masculine or feminine. This law governs creation, but is about so much more than sex. It honestly gets into talking about the duality of gender itself. Now, I know there's been a lot of talk about gender lately, with gender essentially being very fluid now. However, as this universal law points out, the idea of gender fluidity goes directly against both natural and universal law. The thing is, friends, if we look at nature and the universe around us, we see that just about everything exists in either a masculine or feminine form. If not in a physical form, it can come across as masculine or feminine energies, which can then subsequently affect things around them. The problem really is that we've, we have a toxic masculinity in our culture, and we've taken a backlash against any kind of masculinity. I'm sorry, friends, but I disagree with that entirely. I believe that we need to have both healthy masculinity and healthy femininity in order to move forward as a society. We need to recognize these in ourselves, that we both have these energies in ourselves, both masculine and feminine existing at the same time. But I'll get into that more when I talk about duality in the next episode.
So stay tuned for that, friends. These laws are really interesting, aren't they? I'd like to encourage each one of you to look into these a bit deeper. So I've included a link in the episode description to a site that has much more in-depth information on these universal laws. They honestly sound very familiar, if not identical, to some of the seven hermetic principles which come out of the 1908 book The Kabbalon, which is based on classic hermeticism, which is an esoteric, spiritual, philosophical, and religious tradition primarily based on the writings which are attributed to a man named Hermes Trismegistus, or Thrice Great Hermes. He has been thought to be everyone from the Greek god Hermes to the Egyptian god Thoth, and everyone in between. The reality is, I don't think anyone truly knows who Hermes Trismegistus really was. Anywho, the seven hermetic principles as written in the Kabbalon are listed as the principle of mentalism, or the idea that everything happens as a result of a mental state which precedes it, and that for anything to truly come into existence, it has to first become a thought. The second one is the principle of correspondence. This talks about the idea of there being harmony between the planes defined as the great physical plane, the great mental plane, the great spiritual plane. This also brings up the concept of as above so below, but ultimately gives us the thought that there is always a correspondence of sorts between the various planes of being and life itself. The next is the law, principle of vibration. This says that everything is vibration and constantly moving. Nothing rests at all in the universe. The higher the energetic vibration something or someone is, the closer to God or source that person or thing is said to be. The next is the principle of polarity. It's the idea that everything is duality, has two poles, and has an opposite. Basically, everything has two sides to it. The next is the principle of rhythm which again basically states that everything has a measurable motion and movement related to the principle of polarity, where energy transmits between poles in a rhythmic motion. Again, think of a magnet on that one. The sixth is the principle of cause and effect. This is the idea that there is an effect for every cause and a cause for every effect. It talks about there being no such thing as chance. And lastly, is the principle of gender. Again, this brings up the idea that gender duality, the feminine and the masculine, exist in everything and everyone. It also talks about balance and our mental faculties between both the feminine and masculine energies, and how this duality exists on all planes of existence, but may have different aspects on each different plane. So, between the 12 laws and the 7 principles we just talked about, a lot of these sound very similar to a number of religious concepts I've heard over the years. I'd like to go back to the law of cause and effect, karma and wisdom for a few minutes. I've been told that God will never punish us for our transgressions, and to a degree that is true. Now while the universe will not punish us for what we do wrong, out of our karma comes the idea of universal balance. The light rises up to meet the dark, yin and yang good and evil, red and blue, Pepsi and Coke. Everything is balanced, friends. So while God or the universe may not necessarily punish us, they will allow us to experience that which we have done to others so we learn the lesson not to do said thing or things again. 
It's the thought that if we mess up and steal from someone, leave our marriage, abuse someone, etc., we will experience those things coming back to us even if not in this life. Now when we wrong someone else, or push light and love out to others, we get that back in balance from the universe. In other words, if we put out positivity and love to others as much as we can, we will get that back. That's all too often why we have problems with depression and anxiety. We put those thoughts out to God in the universe even subconsciously, and we get those same thoughts back in return until we learn the lesson that we have control over said thoughts and have total control over our emotional states. They do not rule over us as we have been taught. We are not victims of our emotions. They have to obey us if we can learn to control them. However, when we push evil or negativity out to others around us, we have the tendency to create karmic debts, which is the term for when those bad things we do to others circle back to us. The bottom line here is that until we grow into the wisdom needed to overcome our karmic debts, those same lessons will keep coming at us in similar ways until we grow spiritually in understanding and work to change the core of our hearts. Friends, if you will do this with me today, please take a look at each one of these universal laws and tell me that putting them into practice would not greatly help improve our lives. I believe that as much as we can, that these laws can help us to learn to control ourselves, our minds, our thoughts, our actions, and our responses, and help us to grow and gain the wisdom and knowledge needed to overcome and walk into total freedom. Do you want total freedom today? Do you want your heart, mind, body, and soul to be free of anything that may be holding you back, whether it be depression, anxiety, and addiction, or what have you? If you want that freedom, then put that out to God in the universe but not in an arrogant, why don't you come here and fix this kind of way though, because that is challenging God directly, which is not a wise idea. Mostly because you won't get any place with that kind of attitude in the spiritual realms. Now, if we can humbly go to God in the universe with a childlike innocence that we understand and know very little and truly want to learn, grow, and overcome, they will oblige you and put in front of you the tools needed to get past whatever it is that you're desiring to get past. The truth is, if you desire to change your heart, your life, and your circumstances, and you put that out to the universe with pure honesty, with no ulterior motives in your heart, they will respond to you, but only if you have a pure intent. In other words, friends, if your intent is not pure, the universe will know. God knows. Remember, they know our heart much better than we do in most every case. Again, if you'd like to know more about these universal laws, I've included a link in the episode description to a site that has much more in-depth information on them. I would highly encourage you to look at them and meditate on them and just sit with them and see how you can apply them to your lives. So where is your heart today, friends? Thank you again for tuning into this radio frequency for episode 7. I sincerely hope you enjoyed today's talk on the universal laws and the seven hermetic principles. On our next episode, we're going to dive into talking about the duality paradox, as well as touch on our own duality as human beings and how our free will plays into all of this. 
Again, thank you for tuning in today. I sure hope you'll stay tuned and join me again out in the universe. Until then, light, love, and blessings to you all.